Hello, everyone, and welcome to Petite to Queen's Claim Your Career Crown podcast. I'm your host, Amanda, and I'm filling in while our regular host, Lynn, is away. And I'm joined by our special guest, Julie Scott. Julie is a life coach who thrives on helping mature women prioritize their needs and gain confidence so they can stop worrying about being enough to start living life. A self-proclaimed feel-good junkie, Julie is someone who personally experienced decades of struggling with people-pleasing, overgiving, and low self-esteem. And the end of her marriage was a wake-up call she needed to accept, uh, to change her future, sorry. By uncovering unhealthy beliefs and patterns, Julie has learned to accept, trust, and love herself. And she's helped hundreds of other women do the same through her free Facebook group and private and group coaching sessions. She also wrote the book, This Time It's About You, a journey from no I can't to yes I can. Today, we're going to be talking about how to give yourself permission to want more out of this life and ultimately become what Julie calls a feel-good junkie. So welcome, Julie. We're so excited to have you on this call today. Oh, Amanda, thank you so much for having me. It's just uh, a pleasure to be here, and I love talking about this stuff, so I'm a total chatty Cathy, so let's go. <laughs> that would be perfect for our podcast. <laughs> so before we get started, if any of our listeners are joining for the first time, make sure you don't miss a single episode by subscribing to our Claim Your Career Crown podcast podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And while we're on the subject, please take a second to give us a five-star review because we'd really appreciate that. Okay, so let's dive in. Yeah. So, so Julie, with a pandemic and never-ending quarantine, mm. a lot has, <laughs> a lot of us feel compelled to look on the bright side and focus on what we have instead of what we don't. This is definitely a good thing to do, but you encourage women to want more. What do you mean by that? And how does wanting more improve women's lives? Well, you know, um, yeah, let's just for a second, the quarantine, I mean, it's been it's been a challenge. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I don't want to just be one of those people that's just like, yeah, just, you know, stay positive, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like you really have to be intentional, I think, about your thoughts, um, especially during these kinds of times. But this, too, shall pass. So I'm, I'm looking forward to life getting back to whatever the next iteration of life is going to look like after this. But. Uh, with regard to your question, um, I'm, I'm all for a positive outlook, you know, and being grateful for what you have in life. You know, it's the way to feel abundant in life. I mean, I do it daily in my meditations to feel, you know, I feel abundant by being grateful for what I've got. But what I mean is uh, don't let the positivity and gratitude stand in the way of what you truly desire in life. I, I mean, I know this kind of kept me stuck for a while um, thinking, oh, I should be grateful for what I've got. I should just shut up and keep my head down and, you know, continue on with life and not want more. Um, but I believe it is possible to be happy and grateful and want more in life and mm -hmm. allowing yourself to want more. I think it's tied to feeling that you deserve more and are worth more. Mm -hmm. um, and that's where I think a lot of us, especially women, get tripped up um, thinking that maybe they're not enough. Right. So uh, it doesn't mean that you're being greedy by wanting more. But wanting more helps us to push ourselves, I think, to rise up, to become a better version of ourselves and, you know, translates into, you know, every area of our life, really. It's like our health, our relationships, you know, our wealth, our legacy, whatever that is. Um, it also makes us better people, I think. And, it, and yeah. we inspire those people around us, whether it's our our sisters, our daughters, our, you know all the people around us um, to expand into a more fulfilled version of themselves too. 
So I think it creates a ripple effect. It's good for everyone. And it makes you feel better about yourself and your life. So, yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Um, I think like, if, I think it's good to be grateful, of course, but it can kind of lead you to kind of not, not achieving more, not um, getting new experiences and just kind of, I don't know, settling maybe a little bit. hundred percent. Same stock. Yeah, 100%. definitely. I think um, wanting more really just pushes you to grow and to, I don't know, just gain so much more that you never thought you could achieve necessarily. Yeah. You know, something that I want to share with you, you just made me think of that I wasn't planning on sharing, but I'm going to. One of one of the exercises that I put my clients through to help them get a grip on what it is that they want. I have them take a look at their life and I have them go through through something called squat. And it's not SQ. It's S-C-W-T. And it's look around your life and, and look at where you're settling. Mm-hmm. Look, look at where you're compromising, look at where you're waiting and look at what you're tolerating. And it's like and it's not about being a Debbie Downer looking at your life that way. But if you if you look at your life through a lens that way, it starts to help you uncover areas where you do want more. And you can kind of give yourself a little bit of a push in that direction to see based on that squat exercise. It helped me a lot to put myself yeah. through that. So I just want to share that. Just yeah, that sounds, that sounds really helpful. I'm sure our audience would love to try to go through that exercise themselves. So does wanting more ever lead to guilt? And what are some of the ways that guilt maybe shows up in women's lives? Oh, my God. Does wanting more lead to guilt? Yes. A hundred percent. A hundred and fifty percent. In fact, guilt shows up. I call it as the driver of the people pleasers bus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> in fact, guilt drives the people pleaser. Um, so many of us are running on guilt. Um, you know, I should do this. I should do that. You know, I should go ahead and commit to being an attorney because I went to school, even though I hate studying law. You know, I um, I should stay in this soul sapping job because I make a lot of money here. I should, you know, go and visit my parents or they're going to think I'm a bad daughter or, you know, I should stop chasing after this silly dream of mine and, you know, go ahead and get married and have kids and do get the 2.2 kids in the house and blah, blah, blah. I mean, we, we do it to ourselves. I mean, I did it to myself, especially in my own marriage. It's like, I should stay married to this guy because he's actually a good guy. Um, and everyone likes him, even though our marriage is, I, I feel disconnected from him and maybe I won't find anyone else. I mean, it's crazy, you know, just what you tell yourself. It's that story that runs through your head. So absolutely guilt leads to, um, all of that. So feeling yeah, bad, definitely. wanting more leads to guilt. That was the question. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's something I experienced too. Um, some years ago I had a job that it was it was in the um, career that I wanted to be in it, what I had studied when I was in college and it, the, the job that I had just made me feel so miserable it felt like a soul-sucking job but I felt guilty wanting to quit after I'd only been there for like five or six months and I was like right. oh, I can't quit this job I worked so hard for it I'll just you know put my head down and just get through it but I couldn't do it it was like it was making me depressed and eventually like my husband and my mom and my sister they're all like you need to quit that job it's not good for you but like I felt guilty about that because I thought but I need to have an income I need to you know advance in the career that I studied for and it, it was just really hard for me did you also have fear around not finding a better job yeah yeah I did I mean it took me a few years to even get 
that job to get my foot in the door of that industry. And I thought, if I quit this job, I'll never be successful in, in this industry. So. Yeah. And aren't you the most convincing person you've ever met? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I am so convincing. <laughs> yeah. I take everything yeah. right to the grave. It's like, oh, it's going to be so bad if I do this, you know, but it's uh, it's so the things that we're afraid of. I mean, 95 percent of the time, I, I think I had a sticky note that said 95 percent of what I worry about never happens. Yeah. And it, it's, it's it so is so true. true. <laughs> it's crazy. We just build catastrophes in our head and they never actually happen. We do. We're kind of wired that way, though, to think the worst, unfortunately. You know, it's yeah. like I used to I used to say, you know, what's the worst thing that can happen? I always thought that was a good way of thinking about things because it could maybe turn you around. But now mm -hmm. I say, what's the best thing that can happen? Yeah. You know, and yeah. if you just shift your perception to think about what's the best thing that can happen, it's like, wow, it really opens up the possibilities. Yeah, so. that feels so much more positive. I like that. And light. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So you said that uh, guilt is a lot is related to people pleasing. What yeah. does it mean to be a people pleaser and how does that help us or hinder us? And what role does that play in the guilt that we have about wanting more? You know, um, I call myself a recovering people pleaser. And, you know, the more that I think about this, the more I realize that we were kind of trained to be people pleasers when we're kids. Right. Mm -hmm. So if you think about it, you know, your parents tell you to do things that as a kid you totally don't want to do. Right. I mean, like clean your room, go to school, you know, study any of those things. But we do what we're told to do. We kind of, you know, push down our own desires of what we really want to do, like we want to play. But I mean, I understand why parents do that. I had to do it myself. Right. But mm -hmm. it's like it sets you up because the thing is, is that you're you're doing what you're you don't want to do so that you can be accepted you can be loved. You cannot get in trouble. You can belong, which is one of those, those, you know, uh, what is it called? Like one of our primal needs is to belong, right, to the tribe. Because mm -hmm. if we're, we don't belong to the tribe, we could die, right? I mean, that's the whole yeah. idea from when we were, you know, cavemen and cave women, right? But um, so I, you know, I thought a lot about this. It's like we're trained to be it as kids, and some people break out of it, and other people kind of carry on with it. And I was one of those people that kind of carried that into my adult life of, you know, wanting people. You know, it kind of goes into wanting people to like me, right? Yeah. It also goes, uh, it, you know, and being a people pleaser isn't just not being able to say no. And I think that a lot of people have it in their head that that's just what it is, but it's so much deeper than that. It's like, <laughs> I mean, I studied this, I read about it, I writ, I wrote my book around part of this too. It's like, yeah. you know, you people pleasers, you know, you start agreeing with everyone around you. You know, it's like, you don't wanna rock the boat. So you don't really speak up and say, what's really true for you, right? You want everyone to like you, so you kind of just go along. And for me, that turned into like decades of pretending that I was happy, which yeah. is like, you know, and, and I mean, I think about it now and I'm just like, my mind is blown of how many times I just pushed down my own needs, wants and desires of wanting more in my life yeah. just because I didn't want to seem high maintenance. I didn't want to seem yeah. like, you know, just a, a, you know, high maintenance woman or just a fussy or, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just amazing to me how, Again, what I told myself, uh, what I needed to do in order to keep everyone and everyone around me happy. And that was the other thing, too. I lost myself mm -hmm. in other people, in taking care of 
stepchildren, my husband, my family, my job, my coworkers. It was, and you know, once I started recognizing this was going on, it was in every area of my life. Wow. I was lousy with people pleasing. It was crazy, but yeah. It, now, did I answer the second question? I think I did. Yeah. Yeah. I asked. think so. Okay. Okay. I think it's something I kind of relate to too. I mean, I think I was always a people pleaser. Um, I think when I was younger, especially it was kind of tied up in my shyness. I was very introverted and I just, I was afraid that if I said anything, people would not like me if I disagreed with them. And so I, I just agreed with them and I went with the flow and, you know, didn't want to make waves so that people would accept me and like me. And yeah, I think that carried on into, into my work too. I think um, even, even in my current job, when I first got it, I wouldn't disagree with my boss because I didn't you know, want that to cause problems or need to get fired or something. Right. So I would just agree with them. But then I realized that sometimes you have to disagree. You can do it nicely, but doing so kind of, it, it makes, it lifts everyone up. It lifts yourself up definitely. But I mean, everyone can improve from it too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that whole speaking up, not speaking up for myself too. It's like, I know I got passed over for promotions at work. I didn't ask for what I thought I was worth. I mean, I, you know, the thing is, is that I didn't realize that I was even doing any of this until it was like, you know, just before I was about 40 that I, you know, just, I couldn't, I, you know, I had a pretty decent life. I was like, why am I so unhappy? But it was that underlying hum of just not ever really putting myself first, not ever really saying what I wanted. It's, it was a slow burn for me, but it, you know, it's, it's absolutely something that I think, most people could just take a look at. There's a few questions they could ask themselves and yeah, they could uncover a lot for themselves that way. So anyway. yeah, definitely. I think it's a learning process too. You know, hundred like percent. You might, you might notice it, but it, it takes time to kind of get out of the habit of people pleasing. Yeah. It's a lifelong process. Yeah. I really, I mean, I still, I still find myself catching myself and, you know, just, I catch myself faster now. But um, and I, you know, and I think the the beginning of learning how to get out of people pleasing just for whatever it's worth is you just start small, you know, like you don't, you know, especially if it, uh, you start with people who are, are, are less scary to yeah. say no to, for example, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> start definitely. on that outer, that outer ring of your of people in your life. And then you work towards the center. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. So how can we give ourselves permission to want more? I think you have three methods. Can you can you describe them here? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, you know, it's really just uh, recognizing what you're telling yourself. Um, I just jotted down a couple of notes. Um, number one, you've got to stop beating yourself up for wanting more. And again, like we mentioned, like I mentioned earlier, it doesn't make you ungrateful for what you do have. It makes you human, really, yeah. to, to want more. We all have desires. And the more we push them aside, the more powerful they become. It's like what you resist persists. Again, it's all those things that I pushed down for years. That's what made me so unhappy because I was ignoring it. Right. So, um, and again, if you, if, if you aren't addressing the desires that you truly have in your life, it starts showing up in other ways, like in physical ailments. I mean, honestly, it's like when people are stuffing, it's like stuffing emotions, stuffing your true desires. It's like, it shows up in illness and ailments in your body. Um, and not to mention the underlying feeling of just being angry, bitter and resentful, which yeah. doesn't make you a very fun person to be around. So that's the first thing. Stop beating yourself up. The second thing, stop comparing yourself to others. Right. This yeah. is another thing that I was so guilty of. Just because other people have it worse than you 
doesn't mm-hmm. negate your desires, right? I mean, yeah. just because you were fortunate enough to live in the United States, for example, and not in a third world country doesn't mean that you can't want more for yourself in your life. So it's like this, the comparison never is a good thing anyways, but especially if you're wanting more in your own life, you've got to stop comparing yourself to others. Um, and again, whether it's you want more money, a more fulfilling job or a more loving relationship or just more joy and fun in your life, it's like it's OK for you to want more no matter what's going on for anyone else around you. Um, the third thing is stop ignoring how you feel. OK, um, your feelings are real and valid and no one else needs to give you, you know, agree with you or give you their approval for what it is that you feel, right? So you're worthy and deserving of not only your feelings, but whatever you desire as well. So those are the three things. Stop beating yourself up, stop comparing yourself to others, and stop ignoring how you feel. And you'll be able to set yourself free to actually want more and just give yourself permission to want more in life. Yeah, no, those are really great steps. I think the last one makes me think of something my sister said recently. She said that um, she was kind of like gaslighting herself about how she felt about things. She's like, no, I don't actually feel that way. But mm. yes, you really did. And that, that's something you have to acknowledge and, and work through and make changes accordingly. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If we, uh, I see so many people doing that. And unfortunately, no one can tell them that they're doing that. They have to recognize it for themselves. Um, which is obviously more powerful if you recognize something for yourself, but it's so painful to watch someone doing that. When you see what they're doing, you just want to help them, but you got to just sit back and just wait that they wake up. (laughs) It's frustrating. It really is frustrating. It's true. It's so true. So you describe yourself as a feel-good junkie. Um, How did wanting more lead you to seeking out good feelings, and how can others pursue feel-good moments and experiences themselves? Well, I'll tell you what, when um, and I came up with Feel Good Junkie uh, because I really just now run my life by going after things that just do make me feel good. Right. I mean, and that really is about getting honest with myself about what I want. Because I think most so so many women I work with, you know, I, I'll just ask them, what do you want? And they're like, oh, I don't know. Yeah, but I can ask them, what what don't you want? And they know all of that. <laughs> they know everything they don't want, but they don't know what they want, right? Um, but it absolutely uh, set me free uh, once I shifted to making feeling good as my North Star because everything that I was doing in my life didn't feel good, right? So it, it's kind of it's kind of the method that I use with my clients. When they tell me I, they don't know what they want, it's like they know what they don't want. So what makes you not feel good? Versus what makes you feel good. I mean, it's kind of an easier way to and I guess it just feels less confronting, like they have to figure something out because, you know, what it's like to when you feel good, when something feels good and when something doesn't feel good. And it also helps them to tap more into their intuition, which I'm always encouraging more people in general to do. Um, But, yeah, feeling good, it, it covers every area of your life especially your physical, like, because for me, when I'm, when things aren't going well in my life, I feel it in my stomach first. Yeah. And my stomach, my stomach is the very first indicator that something is off, that I need mm-hmm. to look around either a, 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 I'm compromising something or I'm settling, I'm waiting, yeah. I'm tolerating. Right. And it's like those, it's all connected. It's like, if you check in with you know, and, and use that feeling good, it really does 
set you free to go after the things that you do want in life and allow yourself to want more because you're just going out because you I just want to feel good. Right. And it kind of mm-hmm. it gives you permission just to feel good. So yeah, that answers I the question. Really, I really like that. Um, do you find that when you're, you know, when you're following that North Star of being a feeling good, do you think that everything else in life kind of falls into line if you do that? Like, uh, does everything kind of like 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 a domino effect, maybe? Um, you know, it kind of does. I mean, it really does. In fact, um, I never thought about it that way, but it really does. Cause it's almost like getting clear on a value. Like if you know what your values are in life, if you value feeling good, I, I created that as a value for myself. It's like, yes. And then it's something to, it's like the litmus test for everything in my life that I'm going after. And it does, it, it does end up transforming every area of your life because you're checking in against that feeling good star north star and yeah everything falls into place i never thought about it that way i like that <laughs> oh my god that, i really great. like that i didn't yeah. articulate it very well but i had a no you story. totally did no you absolutely <laughs> did i like I, I really like that so much yeah i like that so what value does being a feel-good junkie add to your life and to the lives of the women that you coach and why should our audience want to become feel-good junkies i mean come on who doesn't want to feel good <laughs> But I mean, I think, I think, right. I mean, everyone wants to feel good. I mean, that is a universal thing that everyone can kind of nod their head to. It's like, yeah, I want to feel good, you know, and, and it's a definite, it's a definite thing, something, it's not something to question. It's like, you, like I said before, you know, when you feel good and you know, when you don't feel good. Right. And it's like, and and I, I think more than anything else, and we touched on this earlier, it's about being honest with yourself, not gaslighting, right? Not, you know, talking yourself into something. It's like being real and honest with yourself first. And it's like, and then everything kind of comes from there. But yeah, it's, it's absolutely sets my clients free. It set me free in my life. And I just want to shout it from the mountaintops because it's just a way of living. And it's sort certainly something that we definitely could promote to the universe. <laughs> it wouldn't hurt a yeah. soul. That's for sure. So, yeah, well, I think it's a great message. And I think it's something that people need to hear more of, you know, and yeah. there's enough people out there telling you that you deserve to feel good and you should go after that. But I love yeah. that. That's, that's a message that you're, that you're getting out there into the world. hundred percent. Yeah. Thank you. Well, Julie, thank you so much for sharing how we can let go of guilt and people pleasing to instead pursue more in life and become feel good junkies. Um, I'm sure our listeners are going to want to know where they can find out more about you. Uh, can you tell us where you are on the, on the Internet? Absolutely. Um, my uh, business name is my or my website is called It's About Time Baby dot com. And I just love the name of my business because it's like it's about time, baby. Right. It's about time, baby. Um, and really the, the best place to connect with me beyond my website, because there you can sign up for my email list and things like that. And there's also a lot of freebies on there that they can check out and take advantage of. Um, but also I've been really loving my Facebook community and it's called the confident women's community. Um, uh, because really when you feel good, you feel confident and, um, and it just kind of opens up the doors for everything else in your life. And in there, I do a lot of trainings, free trainings. I do interviews, with um, you know experts and thought leaders and just ordinary people who just share their stories of how 
you know, they became their own feel good junkies. Some of them run my clients. Um, and I just enjoy having conversations in there and just do it, whatever I can to add value to that group. Cause I love my ladies in there. So I would love if they connected with me in there. Yeah, that's wonderful. Absolutely. And for everyone listening, we're going to have those links in our post. So you'll be able to find them very easily. So this has been such an informative discussion. And for everyone listening, do you have any ideas that you would like to share? Chime off in the comment section because we'd love to hear your thoughts. And if you have a question that you would like to suggest. Oh, sorry. There's something. Okay, it's fine. Okay. And if you have a question or would like to suggest topics for discussion, please email us at jointheconversation at petitequeen.com. And finally, to stay current on all of our insightful advice and breakthrough advantages and content like this podcast here, please sign up for our weekly wisdoms newsletter at petitequeen.com. Thank you for listening, everyone.